Shalom, this is Emet, a.k.a. Shomer Man, with your Parsha GYS for this week's double portion, Behar slash Behukotai, which is always a mouthful. And it's interesting because it's only five Hebrew letters, but it's such a mouthful. But anyway, um, Baruch Hashem for his Torah and Baruch Hashem for his Shekinah that illuminates us with the voice of Adonai, which is Mashiach, Yeshua. So let us begin our drashing and our studying by saying the blessing before the Torah. Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Bachar Banu Mikol Hamim, Venatan Lanu Et Torato, Baruch Atah Adonai, Noten HaTorah, Amen. Amen. So, I got a couple of friends that I'm going to um, share with y'all today because the... Um, the Shomer versions of the Marvel characters, as you know it, they're called the Avengers. And these group of people, I just want to shout out right now. There's Hasis, there's Dr. Zakal, Incredible Talman, Captain Israel, and like a whole bunch of other cool people. And I just want to say that y'all are inspiring and an encouragement to me because to know that I'm surrounded by people who will pull me up and make me work and study to show myself approved is such a blessing to have because we talk about how we always source out everything and there's no MSU and so there's always that accountability that I'm surrounded with because of you guys that uh, make sure that the, everything is sourced out and um, I love Incredible Talmud how he always says you know I'm kind of like source man and um, that's kind of stuck in my head because you know I I like the fact that we can get everything sourced so that in this world full of uh, everybody wanting to have their own opinions or everyone not basing things off truth and basing things more off feeling or what have you um, we have sources and these aren't things that we make up and so uh, I think it's just a beautiful position and a place to be. And so, yeah. And so fitting that we're ending Vayikra and getting ready for Bami Bar. We just finished Lag by Omer last week and Shavuot is next week. So we're like in this really sweet spot. So um, let's start with Behar because Behar has some gematria. I'm going to go backwards because on my notes I have queued up Behukotai. So I'm looking up Behukotai, which means if you will keep my statutes. So in my statutes, Behukotai, that's what that literally means. Be, which is in, and Hukot, which is statutes, and I, like Tai, is like mine. So in my statutes. So if you read Parsha Bechukotai, it has all the statutes of Hashem, and these are called Hukim, or a Huk, which is basically a mitzvah that there seemingly is no rationale for, i.e., eat kosher. And again, we always talk about how that's not really about being healthy. 
it's definitely a spiritual diet, you know, and it's like Hashem's way of saying, you know, this is how I eat, so I desire that you would eat this way. But if not, that's cool. That just means you and I aren't really that tight. So, yeah. Anyway, because, uh, you know, be holy as I'm holy. That's literally what that means. That's the Shomer Man Midrash right there. So, you want to be tight with Hashem. All right. So, Bechukotai. If you look at the gematria of that word, Bechukotai is 520. The gematria of 520 is the word Sakar. What does Sakar mean? Well, if you go back to Bereshit, uh, Parsha Vayetze, and it is a Parsha that's talking about Yaakov and his wives and his children, and there's one child called Yisakar. And Yisakar is based off the word Sakar, and it is the word for reward. And I bring up this incident because I'm going to swerve just for a moment because when the Rebbe of Lapid, Rabbi Griffin, gave his shur last uh, Yom, Yom Rebbe into Yom Hamishi, um, literally like right before Lag Omer, he was talking about the incident of the mandrakes happened on the day of Shavuot. And Shavuot has so many different significant uh, occurrences. And the way Yisakar came into being was through Ruvain, the first son of Yaakov, being out in the field, literally during the grain harvest, which is happening during Shavuot. And he finds mandrakes, which are Dudaim and Ivrit. And Targum Unkelos, OG Unkelos, brings down that these mandrakes had the form of a man, and it also permutates to Im David, which is the mother of David, which is Ruth, which is Shavuot. So Sakar, Yisakar, mandrakes, Ruvain, and this whole incident happens during Shavuot, and that's our parsha that's taking us in the Shavuot. So. And it's all about the hukot of Hashem that are beyond our understanding. And he says that if you do my statutes, keep my decrees and my judgments, I will reward you. That's why we see blessings and curses. And again, Hasis uh, basically was bringing down that there's commentary saying the blessings in the section of Bechukotai are from Aleph Tav. And then not so for the curses. So if you want to literally be in the Aleph Tav, which we know Hashem and his Mashiach, they're Aleph and Tav. They're the beginning and they are the end. He is the beginning. He is the end. That's a better way to say it because Hashem is one. So, um, you know, if you really want to be in Hashem, then you want to make sure that you're in his statute, which is his reward. So um, that was pretty interesting to come up with that and then if that wasn't enough 520 being the gematria of Bekuko Tai you can take 5 plus 2 plus 0 and that equals 7 well what's the parasha before that that is parasha Behar which is about the Sabbath the Shemitah and the Yovel and those are all cycles of 7 
So when you're Behar, which is on the mountain, Bekukotai in the statutes of Hashem, you're in his sevens. So thought that was uh, interesting how those things just kind of work together. This is a double portion because this is not a leap year and we got to get all the Torah parshot done. So, you know, everything is working together for the good, as they say. So for Behar, Parsha Behar, for some reason, I decided not to do the Gematria for it, but Behar is Bet Hey Resh, which is 207. So 207 is the Gematria of Or, which is light. So if you're if you're on the mountain of Hashem, you're in his light. And then you're in his statutes, which is his Shabbats, his sevens. So uh, thank you, Hashem, for that. Because in my notes, what I actually wrote down, I really got overwhelmed. So there's a lot of things that I will probably search for during our drosh time. Um, I wrote down that Bahar first appears in Bereshit 2214. And for all of my familiar readers of the morning prayers, Shakarit, you know about the Akedah. And Bereshit 22 is the Akedah, and that is daily reading for prayers before the offerings. So it's interesting. There's an offering before the offerings. Yeah, something about that. But I digress, and I shall say that the Akedah and the giving of the Torah are connected with the same word, which is Behar, because it was on the mountain of Hashem that there was the lightning, the smoke, the dark cloud, the sounds of the shofar. That's where the people said, you know what, tell Hashem, we can't hear him talk anymore because we can't take it. Moshe, you go up there and he's like, thanks guys, y'all love me that much. And so he goes on the mountain and goes into the light of Hashem, which is where the Torah comes from, which is where the Akedah took place. So the Akedah took place on a mountain, and the mountain that the Akedah took place on is Mount Moriah. So Moriah is, um, let's look at that word because I want to kind of break that down a little bit. Let's see here, Bereshit 22. I'm going to get real technical. All right. Oh, well, doing some interlinear here, and it pulls up the whole chapter in interlinear with this source that I have. Okay, Brukashem. Take your son you love and go to Harmaria. Now, looking at Harmaria, we have the word, um, let's see, Har and then Hayam. So, the sea mountain, basically, which would be the Torah is likened to a sea, which is the Talmud, by the way. The, the Talmud is called a sea because it starts with a mem. And it ends with a mem, and it's called Mayim, which is water. And Mayim is an allusion to the sea. So the Talmud is called a sea. 
And so when you look at Har Maria, it's it's likened to a sea. It's a mountain of the sea. So uh, the other thing, I'm going to go ahead and open up the concordance on it. And it's from the words to see and Hashem. As in Ra'a, like Re'e, basically. Yah. So when you look up the word for see, it is Resh Aleph Hey. So Resh Aleph Hey, uh, let's see here, 206, okay. So that's one less than light. So it's pretty close to the Gematria for light. There are different principles of Gematria that say that you can add one to the Gematria. And that's called Im Kolel, which is taking a value of one for the whole word itself. So not that we're going to stretch it there, but uh, looking at this word that Moriah is based off of is seeing Hashem. Because on the mountain, Adonai shall be seen which is what Abraham named that mountain later on in the passage of Bereshit 22 so seeing Hashem is being on the mountain being in the light being in his statutes so <clears throat> that's uh, pretty crazy there drop some Maharal here so according to the Maharal if you look at Vayikra 25:42 For they are my servants whom I took out of the land of Mitzrayim they cannot be sold into slavery at the time of the exodus God made freedom from the inherent and eternal slika okay God made freedom the inherent and eternal state of the Jew okay so he made us free and he placed that within us and that that's just the way it is we're free no matter what because we're currently in exile but we're still free so that's a paradox yes okay so at the time of the exodus god made freedom the inherent and eternal state of the jew okay that's pretty amazing when you think about circumstances and it says from that point on no power or force on earth can subvert our intrinsic freedom that sounded really familiar to me so I was like well what about what Shaul said now I know what you're probably thinking why has it got to be what Shaul said well just cause cause you know there's so many times that people say but Shaul said and it's always anti-Torah but you need to know how many times Shaul said that's pro-Torah which if we engage logic for a moment, how is there just as much, if not more, of Shaul said that supports Torah with the amount of Shaul said that doesn't support Torah, which usually you can't develop it out or tie it back to anything? But that's beside the point. If you really look at that balance, what's going on with Shaul? It seems like he's a man of double mindedness, which that's not a good place to be. We don't need to go into what Shaul said about being double-minded or what Yaakov said or Kepha. But uh, just just wanted to point that out because, you know, sometimes I think that gets lost um, in subject because 
Shaul never said anything against the Torah. He was very pro-Torah because he was like a rabbi and like a shliach of Mashiach. Yeah, that meant to rhyme. But a shliach of Mashiach is one who follows Torah, by the way. And if you claim to follow Mashiach, who, by the way, is the word, the Torah made flesh, because the word for word, logos, it comes from the Hebrew word devar, which is very important to know. And where do we see Devar? None other than in the first five books, every single time Hashem spoke. So if what Hashem spoke is called Devar, and that's the Logos that's in Yochanan 1, then that means that the Torah is the word which became flesh, which is Mashiach. So in order to follow Mashiach, you're following the Torah, which is the word, which is the first five books. And really, it's all the Bible. But specifically, you see Vaidaber Adonai El Moshe, like how many times? So we're looking at Daber, Devar. Those are the same words, just change the vowel points. And um, there you go. So following Mashiach is following Torah. Following Torah is following Mashiach. There's not a discrepancy there. So that's kind of a... That used to be a catch-22. Now it's more like a catch twenty can't do or something I don't know I tried really hard on that but I dropped the ball so back to Galatians Galatians 4 I'm going to start in verse 28 there's a wonderful drosh that's going on before verse 28 that I don't have time to get into because that's parsha told out but uh, for where we are now he starts off by saying you brothers like Yitzhak so stop right there and which is most people don't stop right there because it's like what you you didn't say anything well really did i because shaul calls these people brothers he calls the people of galatia brothers specifically this group of people this congregation here he calls them brothers that's important to know because brothers are people who do the mitzvot you know, remember this one time when Mashiach was drawing and people was like, Yeshua, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to talk to you. And he's like, who are my mother and my brothers? My mother and my brothers are right here. These are the ones who are obedient to the commands of my father. Check the Bible from the beginning to the end. There's only one section and one set of commands. So put that together with mother and brothers this is who Mashiach says, which remember, Mashiach is the word which comes from Hashem. So if you're saying that brothers is something different, then you got to take it up with Yeshua, who is not in at the moment, but he will return shortly. I'm just kidding. Okay, but you get what I'm saying. He set the precedent for saying who your brothers are. If you want to take it even more rabbinical, there's only one person that Pharisees called Haverim or Haver, beloved one, and that's other Pharisees. So, yeah. So, um, that insinuates, implies, infers that these people that Shaul is talking to over here in Galatia, which is outside the land of Israel, which means they're in the diaspora, kind of like we are in America. We're a part of the diaspora, which is the dispersion fancy way of saying dispersion um 
we're we're brothers in Torah. We're Torah observant. We're Jews. Whether we converted or whether our parents birthed us being a Jew, and we still converted because we got circumcised on the eighth day. I'm not going to talk in about that, but just just so you know, everybody who's Jewish is a convert. Can't say that enough because right now. That's a highly hot topic, and it shouldn't be that hot because it's so simple. <laughs> like, every every Jew is a convert, and I mean, what what are you really going to say to that? Because where do Jews come from? They come from Abraham. Abraham was a convert, because where did he come from? Came from a place of idol worship. Most converts come from a place of idol worship. So, technically, if you really want to get down to it, if you're a man or a woman... You're technically in the type and pattern and form and template of Abraham and Sarah. When you come into observing the Torah, following Mashiach, because following the Torah is following Mashiach. So, you're a convert. We all are. Welcome. We've been expecting you. What took you so long? Anyway, you brothers like Yitzhak are children. Okay, so Yitzhak. What was Yitzhak? Who is Yitzhak? Yitzhak is the son of a convert. So he's a Jew too. And Yitzhak, when you really think about it, Yitzhak was Torah observant and spirit filled and followed Mashiach. He literally Im, uh, what are they called? imitated Mashiach because go back to the Akedah. His Akedah was, was set up to show us that when Hashem sends his Mashiach, He's going to be the actual fulfillment and embodiment of the Akedah as typed by Yitzhak. So you really got to like think about everything that's involved when you really think about these little sections of these letters that we're reading here. So I just got to break that down. Uh, so I'm going to go on. I'm going to stop breaking stuff down because I'm getting way away from my point, but I'm having a lot of fun so hope you are too okay so you brothers like Yitzhak are children referred to in a promise of Hashem but just as then the one born according to limited human capability persecuted the one born through the spirit's supernatural power so it is now okay I'm breaking that down I'm sorry I'm breaking my own rules okay the one born according to limited human capability. Who is that? Yishmael. Because what happened? It was like Hashem was like, hey, Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. It's going to be awesome. He's going to be like perpetuating your lineage. He's going to inherit the land that I'm giving you. And, you know, it's just going to be like awesome. And so time is going on and they're not having any children. And, and they're like, Psh. Okay, Hashem, where is this where is this son? Which alludes to where is this promise? And they're like, well, forget the promise at the moment, I guess, and we'll do it this way. And what ended up happening is Sarah said, take my handmaid. And handmaid Hagar here is like a slave in the household. And she gets a ketubah and becomes a wife. So, uh, there's kind of like weird boundaries on that, but anyway, um, they get together, uh, Hagar and Abraham, and they have a son, and his name is Yishmael. 
So Yishmael grows up and he's persecuting Yitzhak because Yitzhak's eventually born, which by the way, he's born by the spirit. So there's that allusion to the virgin birth because yes, Abraham and Sarah had relations to bring about this child, but it was only through the working of the spirit of Hashem, his word that was given that said, you know, I will cause you to have a child. And so he makes her like a young virgin again and all this kind of stuff. Just read Mayam Loez and you'll be okay. Just trust me on that. Parashah Bayera, Mayam Loez, get you some, okay? Now, with that being said, that's what we're talking about in Galatians over here. This limited human capability. So that one is persecuting the one who was born through the spirit's supernatural power i.e. born of the word born from that which is above kabbalah yes very mystical i know it's that's a hot word but it shouldn't be because the torah's kabbalah kabbalah is all founded in the torah and it's uh definitely anchored down with mitzvot and rationality and not like madonna and just lawless um, but anyway, so Torah's Kabbalah, as handed down by the sages, says that Sarah is likened to the Jerusalem that is above. The Jerusalem that is above is talked about in Revelation when it says that the new earth and the new heavens, where they become one, there's like the the heavens above come down upon the earth. That's the Jerusalem up in heaven, you know, where the tabernacle is where Mashiach had to ascend and offer his blood in the real holy of holies you know like the one that's more real than this one so it's like on a higher plane and stuff so anyway Sarah represents that aspect Hagar represents this earthly aspect everything is confined everything is limited and uh, there's a lot of concealment so when we talk about Yitzhak that's where Yitzhak came from he came from above from the Jerusalem up above, and that's Sarah. So when that happens, he's born by supernatural power through the Spirit. If it were not for Hashem empowering the the um, the whatever it takes for a woman to have a child, if it wasn't for Him placing His Spirit upon Sarah, she would not have conceived Yitzhak. Just bottom line. So. We see now Yishmael is limited and human capability, and then Yitzhak comes from the supernatural working of the spirit. So Shaul says, you are like Yitzhak, you converts. He doesn't call them converts because that's rude in Judaism. That's literally what the Halakha says is rude. So don't do that. So he says, so you brothers are like Yitzhak. You're born of this supernatural power. You're born from above. You're from the, you're from above, basically. And you're going to be persecuted by the ones born of limited human capability, like from Hagar. Hagar is your mother for those people who persecute you. So if you know that you know that you know that you follow Mashiach, you're his child. You're a son of Abraham. You're a son of Sarah or a daughter of Sarah. You know, if you're that, no one else can tell you that you're not. So he's that's what he's talking about here, because you're going to be persecuted for that very fact. People are going to say, no, 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 you're not Jewish. I mean, give me your genealogy. Genealogy doesn't make you Jewish. Torah and mitzvot makes you Jewish. 
Don't make me get other Avengers to back me up on that. So just leave it at that, and we don't have to get violent. We can just be nice. So, um, you will be persecuted like that. And he says, so it is now. So, continuing in Galatians, he says, Nevertheless, what does the Tanakh say? Now, if Shaul was so lawless and anti-Torah, why, why is he pointing us back to the Tanakh? Okay, well, engaging logic, that's the only thing that really exists, quote-unquote, as a Bible during his time period, which is so interesting how we could today and different religious factions say that, uh, yeah, you know, the Bible says this is the eternal word of God, and we're talking in Timothy or we're talking in Corinthians. And it's just like when those people wrote those words, the eternal word of God and Holy Scripture was referred to as the Tanakh and specifically the Torah, because that's kind of what Hashem specifically handed Moshe and was like, here, give this to the people for every generation. So, yeah, that's kind of awkward. But anyway. Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for by no means will the son of the slave woman inherit along with the son of the free woman. So here's the deal. Unless you're born from above. Again, Mashiach said this. In Yochanan, he's talking to Nicodemon, which is commonly known as Nicodemus. Which, by the way, Nicodemus is in the Talmud. He's in the Har Yam. He's in the, the Sea Mountain which is the Talmud from our Gramatria drop, okay? So he's in there, like, quoting stuff, you know? And so Yeshua, when he says, Nick Dimon, you know what I'm talking about, about being born again. Like, what do you mean you don't know? Because, like, that's discussed extensively. So anyway, and he comments on it. Like, so he has to know what's, what's up. But anyway, so... If you're not born from above and you are trying to hold on to Torah and mitzvot, Slika, you become like Hagar's son. And that's awkward. Now, there's a difference between being born from below and not from above because you don't know or because you haven't been shown or told which is our goal and which is our job, by the way. What do you think work while it is still today is? What do you think Romans 10 was written for? That's why it was written after Mashiach's ascension because when Mashiach left, he said, go make Talmudim of the nations. Like, people need to know this. Start in Israel and then work your way out, you know, because if you don't work at home, then how are you going to go work somewhere else? So even Mashiach knew that. So the deal is we have to talk about it. Mashiach spent so much of his time looking after the lost sheep. He wanted to make sure his own sheep knew what being born from above was. So no one is left out as far as what he did and what he started. So it's upon us to complete that out until he returns. That's why I always pray on Shabbat after we do the Shemone Esrei that when Mashiach returns... It may be speedily and soon that we are found in the middle of working. We don't need to be sitting around twiddling our thumbs with our bags packed like, yeah, he's going to be here any minute now, and so I'm ready. 
But it's like, no, I'm going to show you I'm ready by telling everybody and showing everybody and helping everybody know what the truth is. Because there's a lot of people that are still going to be saying, well, I don't think Taurus for today. And, you know, my grandmother's pastor and all this kind of stuff was saying this. And he's going to show up and it's going to be like, well, you know, you're going to be outside the gates because you didn't want to enter in through the 12 tribes because those are the 12 gates so you know if you don't want to be jewish there's going to be a hard time getting into the uh the people who let you in I'm trying to think of what they're called at the airport customs yeah customs is gonna rock your world and you ain't gonna like it it's gonna be a bad rocking of your world so just get converted man i mean lapid is here hashem is is opening up so much now so you know, there's a lot of stores to go shop at now, so uh, you'll be fine. Be awkward around uh, December 25th and sometime in March, April, May, because sometimes that event hops around, pun intended. It'll be awkward during those times, but you know what? Baruch Hashem, because awkward moments usually are great foundations for truth because you have to deal with it. When you hear something awkward and you know something awkward, you know that you're in a wrong line of action and behavior, like you have this intent, but your direction is bad. Like that's, that's a beautiful place to be. And, uh, I get hit in the face with that quite a bit and it's not awesome, but it's Baruch Hashem. So just get converted, be able to pee, get a Tanakh, come to Shar Shalom, live stream, get this podcast, share it, go, go read other stuff from Jews who believe in Mashiach. Okay, Rukashim. So, still in Galatians. And we get rid of the slave woman and her son. I got to say this because this was not common knowledge to me, and I don't know if it is for you, but the Or HaChaim brings down from Parsha Chaye Sarah that when Abraham is sending Eliezer to go look for a bride for Yitzhak and he's handing over all his possessions, there's a little footnote that says that Yitzhak would inherit Yishmael because Yishmael is a slave. So that so that's uh it's kinda interesting. He's a son but he's a slave, you know, like because Yitzhak is going to own him upon the inheritance passing over. Which is crazy. Because that means that the rightful true son is getting flack from one who is subjugated to him. And that's kind of weird. But anyway, so I just say that to say, you know, when you really look at what's going on in Galatians chapter 4 is not what you think you know let's get into some sources about this and and get everything worked out properly so anyway just gonna make me do my drosh on Toldot and Kaye Sarah I guess I don't know but anyway uh so it says so brothers we are children not of the slave woman but of the free woman we're born through the working of the spirit that's what we need to know so we start there then it says in chapter five 
what the Messiah has freed us for is freedom. Therefore, stand firm. Do not let yourselves be tied up again to a yoke of slavery. Now, yoke of slavery. You would not believe the yoke of slavery is in Jewish commentary. And the yoke of slavery is all about Egypt. And out of all places to find this drop, this is in the Zohar. Yes, the yoke of slavery is in the Zohar. And it's specifically in Parsha Bihar. And I'm just going to read you a little snippet because it's so crazy. So here's what the, the overall section says. Rabbi Eliezer Zohar Behar 3. So chapter 3 of the Zohar in Parsha Bihar says this. Rabbi Eliezer tells us that man must accept the yoke of the kingdom of heaven before he can do any work. This yoke cannot rest. Understand that. This yoke, this yoke of the kingdom of heaven, cannot rest on anyone who is attached to another. So slaves are exempt from the commandments and from the yoke, as were Yisrael when they were in exile. In exile. So section 9 continues to say, We remember the fish. We did eat in Egypt for nothing. Bamibar 11.5 What is the meaning of for nothing? Which is without a blessing. So they weren't even saying a bracha before eating fish or after eating fish. There was none of that because they had no yoke. There is no mitzvah to bless your food if you don't have the yoke of heaven. It's kind of awkward. So if you're not Torah observant and you're blessing your food you should stop it because they're that you're not supposed to do that it says you're exempt from the mitzvot it's crazy okay so come and behold slaves are exempt from the yoke of the kingdom of heaven and so they are exempt from the mitzvot what is the yoke of the kingdom of heaven i'm so glad they asked that question because i got my answer see if it matches with this one it is like an ox upon which they first place a yoke in order to work with him and to draw. Oh, I'm about to throw this phone. Really? It's like an ox upon which they first place a yoke in order to work with him and draw benefit from him for the world. If he does not accept that yoke, he does not work at all. That completely matches my answer. Because I was like, yeah, you know, if you kind of read in, uh, you know, I don't know, like uh, Matthew 11. Um, which I don't have queued up in the notes. Because I was probably too excited to write it down. But I got my Bible over here. Tell me if this sounds like what we just read from the Zohar. Just tell me. I triple dog dare you. Okay. It's a fancy way of saying just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it is. Okay. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me for I am humble and I have lowliness and heart and you will find rest and security for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light yeah so that whole thing about the yoke is upon the ox and they place it upon the ox first and then you work with him and then you draw benefit from him like learn of him and find rest for your soul get some benefit there and then that's how you bring the light to the nations and then it's interesting he says my yoke is easy my burden is light because you know the mitzvot are called not a burden let me pull that up my commandments are not a burden it's in Devarim of course and it's also in 1st John <laughs> of course because he was Jewish um, let me just go ahead and read that because that's that's legit so first Yochanan 5 3 says in fact this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome yep he said it I didn't even I didn't even make him say it <laughs> um, burdensome where are we at here One moment. I told you there was going to be a lot of stuff that I was not intending to share. And uh, this is one of them. But I'm so glad I get to, with the help of Rashem. Yep. Micah 6 3. My people, what have I done to you? Have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Mitzrayim and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moshe to lead you and also Aharon and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, the king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of Adonai. So he brings up some really, really uh, sore spots after saying, have I burdened you? And he says, here you mountains, this is verse uh, two. It says, here you mountains, Adonai's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against them. And then, so, it's all about them not keeping the mitzvot. And again, Behar Bekukotai, on the mountain in his mitzvot, in his statutes, he says, have I burdened you? It's easy. Like, my commandments are to be delighted in. And so, uh, the verse I was thinking from Devarim was uh, from chapter 30, where he says, you know, here I said before you life and death, choose life. You know, Hashem is not going to tell us to choose something that's going to, like be so horrible and hard for us to do 
it's only hard for us to do because we have this thing about us that we just don't want to do what Hashem says. You know, like when you're a kid, you're like, Mom told me not to jump on the bed, but I'm going to do it. And it's just like, did I tell you about jumping on that bed? And come in there and it's it's a, a, a fun family meeting. So that's how it is usually when Hashem tells us to do something. So this is nowhere where I wanted to go for this drosh. But uh, I think it's very, very fitting because now I'm going to introduce you to a merged universe character. And yes, we have merged in DC. And we've pulled out the Justice League, and we call them the Zadaka League. First one up, Ner Yarok, which is the Green Lantern, if he was Jewish. And uh, he's been very, very violent lately, and has been assaulting me with voice messages. And uh, in a good way, because, I mean, it's just so much truth, it's so much light. And I find that very ironic, because I'm like, Really? Because the other thing we use for um, Yarok, which is the word for green, we call that Get You get you Some, which is the Medrash Tehillim is a big green book, we call it, or the big book of Get You Some. And so uh, he's been doing his little Get You Some activity. So I want to share with you what he found in Parashat Bihar, just from like the first little sip section here. So... Here we go, I'm gonna let him talk. This is Nair Yarok. Man, dude, he, say, he says the land belongs to me. And it's like, oh my word. We, it's so crazy for human beings to assume that like, we can have our own agendas and do whatever we want in our life. Okay, so I'm stopping him right there because that right out the gate, that's violent. I, I gotta go back to the beginning because he's talking about Vayikra 25, verse 23. And it says, Do not sell the land in perpetuity, for the land is mine. You are dwellers and settlers before me. Dwellers and settlers is uh, Gerim Vetoshvim, like Gertoshavs. You're like vagrants in the land, so to speak. And the other thing is the land is mine. According to Ankelos, he says, since the land belongs to God, do not think that it is wrong to give it back to its prior owner. Again, Mashiach says when he goes up to make Aliyah and he reads the Haftarah portion, it just so happens to be the Haftarah portion, which is no longer the case today because there's like this whole thing with the changing of the Haftarah portions. But anyway, when he was doing it, it was the verse about the spirit of Hashem is upon me to proclaim the 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 day uh, and the year of the Lord's favor to uh, free those who are captive and to preach to the poor and and all that wonderful good stuff that Mashiach ben Yosef does. That's what he read, and that was all about how things are going to get returned back to their previous owner. That's what the jubilee is, and so when Hashem says the land is mine. And then you hear uh, Lantern over here lighting it up, talking about how we think that we can just do what we want with what belongs to Hashem, namely us. Because we were bought with a price. We were bought with the blood of the Zadik, the blood of Mashiach Yeshua. So we belong to Him, and we are like the land in which Hashem has given us. So it's like 
an example inside of an example. So Shem is like, that which you walk on is like, you need to take care of it like you would take care of yourself. So the land gets a Shabbat, you get a Shabbat. You know, the land has a Shemitah, you have a Shemitah. What's your Shemitah? Oh, yeah, that's me returning you home from captivity. You know, because slaves get to go free during captivity. So, or during the Shemitah and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, so the land is mine. And the other thing, too, is that we're to work this land and take care of it and make sure it has produce. And that's the other thing. So there's a whole thing about the parable of the tenants from Luke chapter 19. I always confuse it because I'm like, no, it's Luke chapter 20, starting in verse 9. Yes. So he's going to drop all that in there. But anyway, you have been warned. Here we go. Man, dude, he says the land belongs to me. And it's like, oh, my word. We, it's so crazy for human beings to assume that, like, we can have our own agendas and do whatever we want in our lives and just assume that we can do whatever with the land and we can do whatever with the Torah. And, and like, like uh, Yeshua says, we can, as humans think that we can just throw it, throw it down into the mud as though it's not important and let it be kicked around in the streets. Because the Torah is likened to the diamonds and the jewels, you know, and the pearls. And, uh, and that's what the tenants, that's what the unfaithful tenants do, is they don't, they don't truly respect the Torah. And uh, they're not, yeah, they're not producing that, that fruit of repentance. And uh, I think that's probably why Yeshua goes into those, those certain examples of the widow and the long robes and the loving to be greeted at the marketplaces and at, and at the synagogues because they because the you know the motives um not really loving not, not really lo not having the true conviction of the heart which is a fruit you know like as yokanon says bearing fruit in keeping with repentance meaning you don't just you know you don't just convert or simply start you don't just be you know are jew for a little while and then and then you know stop obeying you bear fruit that remains until the end um and you continually repent so like this this continual you know because fruit spoils and so you need to always be you know um sowing more continually reaping sowing more because who knows when the tenant comes um so like you're saying, like what we're talking about too is that that it's a point appointed times. Well, okay, you can obey the Shabbat this week, but the point is, you know, he who endures to the end will be saved. So he wants you to be found obeying the Shabbat, not simply, Oh, I you know, I did that and done that, it's good, I'm good good to go, I'm you know, I'm moving on now. But he's wanting people that are continually you know, are found continually working in the field, like you were saying, bearing the bundles of grain that we will take back with us when we are gathered in into Jerusalem, into his barn. The wheat will come, will be thrown into the barn, and the chaff will be blown away. But you know, from the, on the threshing floor at the day of the Lord, when he comes and sells accounts to the tenants. And that we would have disciples, we'd have Talmudim 
that uh, that make it through the through the, through the storm that is coming, the fire that is, is going to consume and test every man's work. Because the work that's being tested here, according uh, at least seems like seems like to me, with regards to Shaul's with regards to Shaul's words, and I think it's Corinthians or Second Corinthians. Is that he's saying, look, these people say they're apostles, but they're not. They're they're just they're masquerading as apostles of light, but they're but they're but they're apostate. I mean, they're not apostate. Well, they're 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 not genuine. So what he's saying is that they're tenants, but they're not they're not faithful tenants that really care and really love the owner of the vineyard. But they're they're not tenants that really desire to to give the fruit to to Hashem. Um, they're not really tenants to love, like you're saying, to to do the work. We we enjoy the work by the ruach, like oxen. You know, we we thresh, we thresh. You know, or we chew the cud. You know, we love to meditate upon the word. We love to teach it, and we have boldness in teaching it. Anyways, going back, the, the he's saying he's saying don't. Uh, he's saying that the fires will be will test every man's work. Well, what is the man's work? He's saying. He's saying that the man that he's talking about are the apostles, the people that are like the ten, like the tenants, the people that have the word and that are making Talmudim. But he's saying, I want my Talmudim to be those who, who don't just, um, who, who, who remain faithful unto, unto the end. And you were like a jewel in my crown, you know, a joy at the day of the Lord, um, that they can, that they pass through the fire. But if you make Talmudim, you make disciples after your own self and after the Messiah, and you, you know, say, as it says, uh, Shul says, um, you know, some say, or no, it's here. So Shul says, uh, you know, some follow Paul, some follow Apollos. No, it shouldn't be. You know, we follow Mashiach. And uh, so making disciples after Mashiach, not, not disciples after ourselves, because if we make disciples after ourselves, those disciples will be burned up. I mean, because they won't be, they'll be found upon the rock, as, as, as Yeshua says, um, when the storm comes, you'll be blown away. But but if you have right motives and a right purity of heart when it comes to obedience of the Torah, then you're building, then you're building your life on on uh, the rock, which is which is Shem himself and Yeshua, right? But at the same time. At the same time, it's 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 so it's Torah, right? But it's but it's with a a pure right heart. It's it's a sacrifice, but it's a blameless sacrifice. So there's any sacrifice. He says he lays down. These will inherit the kingdom. These will inherit the earth. These will be called sons of God. All all the beatitudes. He's saying those within the world of Torah are going to are going to be blessed. It's not simply because you're in Torah, they're going to be blessed because if you use the Torah for your own gain, your own means, for your own self-exaltation, um, you love the, like the, you know, you love to see the best seats in the synagogues and the feasts, love to be greeted, marketplaces as I said before, you're going to be shown for who you are, and you're not going to be rewarded then, you're only going to be rewarded now by the praise of men. So, I think there's just, there's so much that's here that we're going to, we're going to continue digging on this week, but... Um, man, he's really, he's really wanting this fruit, man. I, I mean, just like we, how much more him? If we love fruit and we love this, to harvest all the crops and to eat of the good fruit, of the good, you know, the good fruit from the from the fruit, uh, you know, from the fruit on the ground, 
you know, the lechem, the, the bread, the wine, how much more so him? So we need to be giving him the bread, the bread that he deserves. The bre- you know, it says the bread of our God, that we, like like the Levites, who offer up the bread of, of their God, our God, to Hashem, in similar fashion, we need to be, we need to be offering up what he's desiring, which is that fruit. Baruch Hashem. That boy needs to go get some help immediately. So I'll end with this. He's uh, quoting from Second Corinthians 11. And it's talking about uh, the false uh, shliakim. And it says, For such ones are shliakim who are deceitful, and they are deceitful workers, and they transform themselves in a masquerade as Shliakim of Mashiach. So that's the thing. You should know a tree by its fruit, and who's actually working, who's bringing fruit, who's actually connecting us back to the Torah, who's actually leading you up the mountain, who's actually in the light, who's actually in the Hukot of Mashiach, Yeshua, and the Hukot of Hashem. So as we finish out Vayikra, and uh told our rabbi for this time and what do we know what do we know baruch atah adonai eloheinu melech haolam asher natan lanu torah temet vechaye olam natabetokeinu baruch atah adonai noten ha torah amen blessings over your shabbat shavuotov